0: Welcome to this episode of the Brand Story Breakroom. I'm your host, Steve Gelman, and my co host again is Lindsay Lachlan. Welcome, Lindsay.
1: Hey, Steve. How are you?
0: I'm great. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to do this again. I'm really enjoying these short episodes between the longer interview segments we do.
1: Me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, you know, what we've been doing is bringing a brand or an issue or something around marketing or brand that we want to talk about. And today I brought a brand that I want to talk about a little bit. What did you bring today?
1: I have a brand as well. It's kind of a a story of maybe a brand within a brand.
0: Oh, that's fun. And uh, I'm talking a little bit about lifestyle branding today.
1: And uh, it's
0: kind of a hot topic. So if you don't mind, I'll jump in, and then uh, I can't wait to hear what you brought. And for our audience, Lindsay and I never really tell each other what we're going to talk about, and that's what kind of makes this fun for us.
1: Go for it. I'm excited to hear what brand you chose.
0: So today, um, I want to talk a little bit about Yeti. Yeti coolers, you know, the whole Yeti line. I think everyone's familiar with them and how they connect to lifestyle branding. There's a lot of buzz around it. You know, it's very popular with some product brands, and, and it gets misinterpreted. By a lot of other kinds of brands that want to do lifestyle branding, but they don't really know what it is. So I think Yeti is one of the perfect examples. That's a great example. Yeah. And I, you know, I love lifestyle branding. Certainly, I think we all interact with brands that are lifestyle brands, whether it's a Patagonia or, you know, a Nike or Adidas or someone like that. But I think Yeti is a great example because, you know, to be a lifestyle brand, you know, you're going to connect with a really specific audience. And Yeti, obviously, is an outdoor brand so if your identity as a consumer is you know i'm i'm really into fishing or deep sea fishing or i'm a camper or i'm a hiker then yeti coolers and their other products are really going to connect with you and be part of your lifestyle so to truly be a lifestyle brand you almost have to be the trusted sidekick that the person's experience makes the consumer's experience even better and then it becomes part of their identity you know if you if you have a Yeti cooler and you've spent three or four hundred dollars or more, they go up to about twelve hundred dollars, then it kind of says something about how seriously you take outdoor adventure.
1: I love that, and I, it, it's like the product choice in those cases differentiates you from other people who maybe dabble, you know, in that. Uh, it kind of sets you apart as maybe being more more involved or maybe a little bit more hardcore about it.
0: Yeah, it does, and you know what's interesting then. What happens is you can probably think of friends, and I can think of friends, and I've thought of buying one uh, that have Yeti coolers, but they're just using them on their back deck, or mm-hmm. they just think they're cool. And that's what happens with a lifestyle brand is if you want to like flirt with that identity, or you kind of wish you were that way, or you kind of are a little bit that way, it becomes aspirational. It's something that you can have that and buy that kind of makes you part of a club in a way. Mm-hmm. The project itself becomes a little bit of a status symbol. So a Yeti cooler is a little bit of an outdoor recreation community status symbol. And, you know, that's the way that people express their affinity for an outdoor lifestyle is by having a Yeti cooler. So I think it's just a really interesting way to position a brand. And I think it works really well for some brands and then doesn't work very well for others.
1: No, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, with the brands that you mentioned and thinking about Kind of what you said about them being a status symbol and creating essentially a community of customers, it makes me think too that you know, all of their marketing, their messaging, everything you see and hear about them needs to be super consistent and super clear. And I think they do a really good job of that.
0: That is such a good point. They are such good marketers. And if you think of any really good lifestyle brand, whether it's a Patagonia or Nike or GoPro, even, they've got really innovative, very consistent marketing strategies. They have partnerships with outdoor enthusiasts and influencers, of course. You know, that kind of brings authenticity to what they're talking about. They really engage with their community through events and social media. And Yeti, for instance, even has their own media production section of its company where they feature stories of Yeti users and they're all like outdoor community stories, which I think is really smart.
1: Yeah, and it makes me think, too, you know, a couple of break room episodes ago, you shared about the brand Liquid Death. Yeah. And just how well they know their audience and speak to it. And I think the same would apply in this case, too.
0: Any good lifestyle brand is laser focused on what their audience loves, what they care about, and what they need from the brand. What problem that brand solves for them. And that's what's communicated through their marketing. And you'll notice that most lifestyle brands or brands that are really good lifestyle brands tend to be to a very specific audience. And then they get very specific to that audience about what they do and how they help that audience succeed or live even better in the community that, you know, they care about.
1: Yeah, no, that's so true. And it makes me think, you know, back to what you said even at the beginning of this episode about the brand being kind of like the sidekick. For the customer, you know, the customer's the hero. Um, and so I'm imagining if Yeti marketing was all about, you know, we keep your drink cold for <laughs> right. 72 hours. Like, that wouldn't resonate with our audience at all. But telling the stories of their customers, that's where it's at.
0: Yeah, I mean, it almost, the, the features and benefits of the product become a given. And maybe there's a cooler that's a little bit better at it, than Yeti. But I'm not sure there's a cooler... Uh, or a cooler company or an outdoor product company that does any better job telling its story than Yeti.
1: I love that. And it's so much more engaging.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, you'd get pretty bored pretty quick if, uh, <laughs> you know, if it was anything else, you'd be done fairly quickly. I think it's just a really interesting example and type of branding, really. You know, it, it doesn't work for everyone. It's such an attractive way Uh, or nuance in branding to try to be a lifestyle brand that it's become very buzzy and you know and one of the reasons is is that every brand aspires to some aspect of lifestyle branding but they might not be as natural a fit for a full-on lifestyle brand strategy and yet they'll try it anyway and most often it fails the kind of brands it doesn't really work for tend to be like brands with a broad target market so you know a brand that targets a really diverse group of customers it's because they can't really define a single lifestyle that, that they've sense. become you know the talisman for or the sidekick for I just you know I don't know if you're a fan of Yeti. I always love to bring a bring a brand that I'm a big fan of, yeah,
1: no, that's great. I love that example and uh. I still just love that that point you made about with lifestyle brands, especially, and I think this is something more brands can learn from, uh, is, is being the sidekick to your customer and, and them being the hero.
0: Yeah, I mean you're just fitting into the customer's belief system. You're fitting mm-hmm. into their life. You're not trying to make it about you.
1: Yeah. And I, I think love
0: that. a lot of brands, you know, they want to make it about themselves because they have goals and they have features and benefits that they fall in love with and they're very proud of and they want everyone to care about them, but it really is about how you fit into the consumer's life. Absolutely. So what'd you bring? I can't wait to hear what you want to talk about today.
1: So mine is, I think will be a little bit of a story um, to get to explain everything about this one, but uh, it's the story of California Adventure Park um, in California, obviously, uh, that was part of Disney that they opened in 2001. Um, so I don't know. Are you familiar with I am kind of not. Disneyland very much? Okay. No,
0: this is a bl- this is going to be a blast because I don't think I've heard of California Adventure Park and how it relates to Disney. So tell away.
1: So I first heard about California Adventure Park when I took a class called Disruptive Strategy a few years ago. And this was a case study that we actually looked at as part of the class. Um, and so we were talking about the jobs to be done theory, which really is the premise that people don't buy products or services. They hire them to do a job. And when you take that perspective, when you're, you know, working on marketing or messaging or even making business decisions, it really puts the focus on what causes a person to buy something rather than attributes like age or gender that could maybe only be correlated with purchase behavior. Interesting. For background, California Adventure Park, it opened in February of 2001, and it was built actually on what used to be a parking lot for Disneyland. In california and disney had taken kind of a multi-park approach with disney world in florida and so company execs decided like hey that worked there let's try it in california and see if you know we can kind of add another theme park um, and build revenue there what they determined uh, as they were kind of in the brainstorming process was that the audience for california um, they thought would be mostly guests visiting either from the state of california who lived nearby Or people coming, you know, from out of state or even out of country, and they would be competing against other attractions in California. So they wanted to try to keep those people, you know, on their property, in the park. So they decided to make the theme of the park be around California's history and culture and gear it towards adults. Interesting. So... Yeah, it was a little bit different of an approach, um, and it did not work. <laughs> so, yeah, the first year the park was open, the attendance was dismal. Um, they had the capacity to have thirty three thousand guests a day, and on average on weekdays, they had just five to nine thousand guests. So, really, really low. And they, like I said, they opened in two thousand one, and by two thousand seven, they were already planning major updates so what went wrong and what did they do well what went wrong is if we think back to the jobs to be done they had they didn't understand the job that people were hiring the park to do so in their mind it was how can we keep them here versus going to see other attractions but they weren't competing against other roller coasters and just trying to be the fastest or the biggest really what made people want to visit disneyland was the experience. So if you've ever been to Disney or have seen, you know, pictures of of Disney and what that's like, it's an escape. People weren't going there on the weekend, taking their, you know, hard earned money and traveling for a day with kids or not um, to ride a roller coaster. Like they were going there to get away from it all and yeah. to kind of immerse themselves in another world. Because I mean, really what Disney does well is they cater not just to kids, but kids at heart. And California Adventure Park lost all of that. So they ended up, like I said, redoing the park completely. Um, They put in other rides and attractions that were themed after Disney movies. So there was now, uh, and Pixar, so there was like a Guardians of the Galaxy and Toy Story rides and attractions and things like that. And numbers increased. Now they see, you know, because it's right next to Disneyland, their goal was to have it be pretty balanced. So there's people visiting the parks, you know, about half would go to Disneyland and half to California Adventure. And that's what they started seeing with these updates. Um, And I thought it was really interesting because Disney CEO Bob Iger called their decision a brand withdrawal. I love that term. And it's really that they were faced with a critical decision that was connected to the jobs to be done. And they had a pivot to meet the needs of their consumers and to be able to, to provide the right product for the job that people wanted to hire it for. And I just think that's such a fascinating way to You know, think about your product and service and what you offer Um, because when you look at it from the jobs-to-be-done perspective, you start to see other competitors that you wouldn't see before and it's not necessarily the business down the street that you think is your competitor and it just really helps you get in the mindset more of your audience and what they're looking for and how you can better meet their needs.
0: Yeah, and I love the concept of a brand withdrawal. It's like a very, very good positive way to say, oops, we got this wrong, let's start (laughs) over. You know? Right. But yeah, you really are. You know, you put it out there. You're starting on it. This has happened to companies over and over again. Coke Zero, anyone. <laughs> but you know, you put something out there, it doesn't work and you either pivot or you continue to lose. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, if they had taken the time to really think about what made Disney successful. It was really the holistic experience of walking through, you know, those doors into the park and everything that that offered. It wasn't about the individual rides or anything like that. And so just understanding the role they actually played in, you know, their guests' lives on the day that they visited. And one of the things that was interesting about it, too... Um, was the original park when they built it out, it wasn't the Disney Imagineers that planned everything and built it, which was a huge mistake because they didn't think they needed that because they went this other route. And so when they made the updates, they made it feel more like the Disney brand and what you, what you would expect from a Disney-type experience.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's a great story. I really enjoyed hearing about that. I think it can be so dangerous when you decide just to... It's almost a little bit of arrogance to decide what people want and walk away from your strengths, you know. It's really interesting. It really comes back to a couple of the things we were talking about with Yeti too is really understanding your audience and what what you do for them and how you participate in their lives, not just deciding that this is what they need and here it is and they'll come and, you know. They'll come for your features and benefits, like your fastest roller coaster or your tallest roller coaster. When really, what they want is hopes and dreams.
1: That's absolutely right. Um, yeah, I think you just you have to know who you are and who you are to your audience, who they are, what they want from you, um, and then just be true to that.
0: God, that's a great point. Well, this was a blast. So, thank you so much for doing this again.
1: Absolutely, thank you.
0: Everyone listening in, we're going to keep adding these short conversations to the mix with our longer um, guest-based interviews. We've got a lot more of those coming up. And if you have anything to add, please let us know. Lindsay, anything you want to say in parting to the audience?
1: Just if you have a brand you'd love, you know, for us to talk about, or that has a really cool story, uh, that you want to share, I would say send us a message on LinkedIn or leave a comment with it. We'd love to hear it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. I will see you back at work. Lindsay, this was a fun break. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Steve. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story.